this morning. Wesley's one of our elders. He's going to be finishing out our mini-series as we walk through Daniel. And starting next week, we're going to be entering into a season of Lent. And so, um, Wesley, take it from here, buddy. All right, is my mic on? Oh, yeah, good. Nice. All right, good morning, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, it's not about Valentine's Day today. Don't worry. That's, the sermon is not about St. Valentine or anything. Uh, we're still talking about Daniel. And I've given myself very scant notes today, so we'll see how it goes. Isn't that exciting, right? You don't really know how it's going to happen. All right, let's begin with a word of prayer because uh, Lord knows we all need it all the time. All right. Dear Lord, thank you so much that we are here gathered and that we are here gathered for a reason. Thank you for your word. God, I ask that you would use this time in your word to instruct us, to guide us, to remind us of what's real, of what lasts pray that we would become increasingly dedicated and sure in your kingdom. I ask you to bless the words that I'm speaking today, and spirit be guiding this message to all of our hearts, and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So last week, Ernie gave a great sermon about hubris and humility. I love that. You know, and it comes to the conclusion that that God is king, uh, not us. I, I really like the word hubris, uh, just on its own, because I'm, I'm what we call a word nerd. Um, hubris, you said it very well, like, oh, it's another word for pride. I, yes, it's also the way I think of it is um, unearned confidence, like, or undeserved confidence. You know, like, we, we'll, oh, I'm sure this is going to be good. Like, no, you're not. You actually have no idea. You're just saying that out of strange, false confidence. Let's keep that in mind as we move forward, um, looking at Nebuchadnezzar, let's put that up there. All right, today we are looking at the kingdom that this king rules. We're gonna be looking at chapters two and seven in Daniel. Um, and these two chapters both have, they have a lot of similarity. They're both about dreams. And even the dreams have a lot of overlap as far as what they're pointing to. The first one, the dream is, uh, is dreamt, right? Yeah, dreamt by the king and interpreted by Daniel. In chapter 7, the dream is dreamt by Daniel and interpreted by an angel. Right? So we've got overlap, but very different uh, recipients and therefore very different responses to the dreams. Both of them are going to be looking generally at this large theme of earthly power and divine power. So there's one word, as I was reading through this, there's one word that I kept thinking of. Um, it's, it's kind of a weird one. Uh, it's, it's a Hebrew word, it's emet. Um, and just in case you're thinking, oh, we're going to hear that. No, other weird little side note is Daniel 2 through 7 uh, are not written in Hebrew. So this word that I'm about to tell you about doesn't occur even once in these chapters I'm about to read. But it's kind of a, like a foundational structural word for, I would say, like the, the Hebrew worldview, how they're looking at everything that's happening around them. So amet, um, it means, well, it's often translated as, as truth or faithfulness or steadiness, uh, a, a notable 
usage of it was in Exodus 17 when you know, Moses is having to hold up his arms to keep a battle on their side, and it gets tiring. So his, his friends, they'll come like set things underneath him and hold up his arms, and they are causing him to be emet, stable, steady, unfailing. So you see how it matches with the idea of truth and faithfulness. And he's like, oh, this is going off on a tangent. Yeah, but it's coming back. Don't worry. Um, so this idea of, of truth and faithfulness, when you say faithful, oh, yeah, I can count on them. Yeah, it's, it's that, but it's more. Like the, the Hebrew worldview was God is unchanging forever. He always has been and he always will be. What he says is true and it never is not true. Like, so just, you know, take what you think of as a faithful friend and, and turn it up to 11. It's not what's happening otherwise. Okay. Um, so you're going to keep this word in mind. You're not going to see it, but you're going to hear things that kind of sound like it or remind you of it. Next introduction. Often in the Bible, we look for heroes. Who do we want to be like? Who do we want our kids to be like? We also look for villains. Oh, that's the, that's, that's the bad one. Watch out for them. You know, kids, don't be like Pharaoh. Not that I don't know that our kids actually are equipped to be like Pharaoh, but I don't know. All right. In this case, we got to step back a minute. Um, this, we're, we're seeing, you know, Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, obviously. I mean, come on. That guy's such a villain. He throws people in the, in the fiery furnace. He, oh, here, you're going to get eaten by lions. Oh, no, I feel bad. Yeah, come on. You are wicked. You're just a villain. But if we jump back just a little bit to Jeremiah 27.6 and 43.10. This is when Jeremiah is talking about God's people going into exile. He's saying, this is happening, and here's what's happened. Jeremiah 27.6, now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I have given him also the beasts of the field to serve him. Jeremiah 43.10, and say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will send and take Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will set his throne above these stones that I have hidden, and he will spread his royal canopy over them. Now, is there anything surprising in those this is Jeremiah, right, talking about Nebuchadnezzar taking away God's people. Did you hear how he referred to him? My servant. Yeah, God says, tell them, Nebuchadnezzar is my servant. Wait, wait, does that mean that Nebuchadnezzar is a good guy? No. No, he still did terrible things. The larger question is, who put God's people into exile? God, right, God is in control here. Nebuchadnezzar is a servant. He doesn't even know it. He, but he is doing the work of God. All right, so that's, that's our context, not like, don't do like Nebuchadnezzar, rather. Um, God is in control, okay? That's, <laughs> what's their first lesson? God is sovereign. Oh, why did that bad thing happen? Uh, because God. Like, wh what are you worried about? It's, it's not, you didn't, you didn't go the wrong direction. It's like, God is in control. Now, another thing about um, Nebuchadnezzar, just because, again, I, why not start with a whole bunch of intro before I actually get to reading the text? Nebuchadnezzar's name, it's a weird one. 
right? Aren't you glad you're not named Nebuchadnezzar? It sounds like a villain name, doesn't it? But it also has a meaning. And this meaning, it, it ends up being, I say, like, wow, that didn't see that coming. That made sense. Um, it, it means Nabu, protect my eldest son. Nabu, the Mesopotamian god of literacy and wisdom. Okay, so Nebuchadnezzar is named god of literacy and wisdom. Protect this man. That's, that'll be significant a little bit later, but right now, we will get into Daniel. So Daniel, as we've covered a bit, you know, he's, he's still young, he's in exile, he's had his culture stripped from him, he's not even called Daniel anymore, uh, Belteshazzar, another great one, um, but like, we're, you're trying to cut these young people off from the culture that they were raised in, from the truth they grew up in. And like, no, 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 we've got something better. You're gonna become assimilated into us now. All of this still within God's sovereign will. So now what, let's start. Um, chapter two is what, 49 verses long. We'll see how much that I'm gonna read out loud. And I don't actually decide yet. All right. Yeah. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, who Ernie talked about a previous week, right? Talked about the Chaldeans, like the, the, the wise people who were into like, looking at stars and signs. Okay, never mind. They, they be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. They're used to this. Like, all right, you had a dream? Just tell it. We will tell you what it means. We, we, we are in contact with Nabu, right? Your name. We got this. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Okay, so that's, that's a nice um, proposition they have there. Um, I'm going to skip because they just go back and forth like, well, we can't do that. Yes, you have to do that. And then they said... The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. All right, there. Now, we skipped over this question. Why did Nebuchadnezzar decide that they had to tell him the dream that judging by the Chaldeans response when they walked in this wasn't normal right oh you got a dream tell it I'll tell the interpretation no not this time no you tell me the dream why why did that happen why it's a weird thing to suddenly do right no I don't think that's how you go about this thing right who gave him that idea God did God said, no, here's your dream. Who gave him the dream? God did, right? Remember, he's his servant. Here's a dream. Also, 
you're going to be troubled by this dream, and you're going to demand all of your wise men, all of the people that you put power in, to tell you the dream and explain it to you. This word is firm. All right. This is a nice setup. It's, you know, this is when you see God working uh, behind the scenes. Like, man, you really know what's going on. Um, before we move on, let's read John 1.14, because I, I think it's just so great how they say, no man can do this. No one except the gods, the gods who do not dwell in flesh. What do you see in John 1.14? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. We have a God that does dwell among flesh. That's like these little uh, oh, golden nuggets are dropped in like, wow, there it is. They said it. Their words. Oh, it's, it's so much fun. All right. So we've got this idea that God is giving this dream. God is giving them this direction. They can't do it. He was, he was named the God of literacy and wisdom will protect you. He goes to the people who are literate and wise. Like the people of the kingdom, that that's what they are known for. All right, now, time to make it happen. And they say, you, no, this, this is a thing we can't do. Nobody can do this, not even the, the gods, because they aren't here with us. Oh, wow, your name is bankrupt of meaning now. Oh, man, start, start knocking your feet out from under you. Let's move on. All right, um, the king doesn't like this response. He was angry, very furious, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. It's like, well, if you aren't wise, then you're useless. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Um, now, that's kind of a weird word structure. Like, wait, Daniel's going to kill them? No, they're also getting killed, because remember, last chapter, they were, well, yeah, they were considered wise, right? Remember, they did their... their we're only going to eat what we are told to eat and trust us, God will take care of us. Like, oh, you, you are really wise. So they kind of got roped in with this, like, you're going down too. Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the king, or the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is this decree of the king so urgent? Arioch explained, Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, better known by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions. He told them to seek mercy from God concerning the mystery so that they could help. Um, and God gave him the same dream. Okay, there's the message. Now, follow through. He goes to the king, as, as he had set up a time, and now he's going to uh, explain something to the king. Let's see, let's jump over to 27. Oh, one notable thing we skipped over, uh, verse 20 on, after God gives Daniel the dream and he understands the meaning, there's really a great praise section there, three, three verses of Daniel praising God. Daniel answered the king and said, 
no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. And he tells the king his dream. All right. The dream is uh, one of these parts in the Bible where things get kind of weird. You guys are like, what? That's, but let's just go through the, the symbols, um, and we'll talk about general interpretations and some room for discussion. All right, so he has this dream of a giant statue, and the, the, a statue of a, a man, presumably um, a king like, like Nebuchadnezzar, but it's of, of a man. His head is gold, his chest is silver, his middle and thighs are bronze, his legs are iron, and his feet are a mix of clay and iron. They're a big tall, strong statue, then a rock, not cut by human hands, falls from the sky, hits the statue, uh, <laughs> smashes it to pieces. That's it. Like, it's destroyed, and then the mountain, or sorry, the rock grows into a mountain, and it is there forever. Yeah, so, even if you don't want to hear about any of the other symbolism. We've got earthly kingdom, not cut by human hands, destroys earthly kingdom, grows into the mountain, lasts forever. There, message done. Got it, right? Earthly kingdoms, fall. God's kingdom, forever. Right, okay. Now, let's just go into a little bit of this because I like how this leads up to the response. This, and, and he, he does such a good job of, of um, getting the king to, you know, to hear him, um, where is it? This is the dream, let's see. Oh, yeah, here he goes. You, O king, you, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory. Even there, he's like giving him this praise. Like, you are all this. Also, God gave you all of this. Just, just reminding you, like, these little gentle um, reminders in his uh, compliments. Um, so he tells the king, this head of gold is you. This is your kingdom. It's so great. And after you, there will be lesser kingdoms of silver and bronze and iron. Silver being uh, the Medes and Persians led by Cyrus. That comes up later. Cyrus plays an important role um, in the life of God's people. Then comes the middle and thighs um, that... That's the Greek, um, what's the word for it? Empire, thank you. Sometimes they go. And, and that's under Alexander the Great. You've heard of him. His, his name is great. And then the legs are iron. It's the Roman Empire. And then the feet are a mix of clay and iron. And I know none of you are probably into blacksmithing, but you can put it together. That's not a good thing to do. Don't try to build things out of a mix of clay and iron won't work well. So we've got some weakness down there. Um, this one we see as being the, the divided and broken Roman Empire, but also, as is often the case with prophecies, potentially pointing to future fulfillment. Want to have another conversation? Sure, we can do that anytime. All right. Um, 
So he, he hears, head is gold, and then there's these other kingdoms coming, but ultimately all of these kingdoms will be ended, and this other kingdom, the one that was not cut by human hands, will take over all of it. All right. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's response, what, what would your response be? Like, you're the king of essentially the world. It's like, oh yeah, you're doing well, but you're also going to fall in someone else, and then someone else, and then someone else, and then it's going to be over. Right? What's your response? What do you think? His response was, Daniel, you are so great. This is fantastic. I'm so glad you told me all of this. Wow, your God is, is really, really good. Um, he's really happy about it, right? It's like, okay, I mean, I guess you did hear that you were the gold head. That's good news. What does he do in the next chapter? Anyone read ahead? Chapter 3? He builds this giant statue of a man of himself and makes it entirely gold. So he's like, okay, God told me what could happen, <laughs> but no, 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 I got a different plan. I'm just going to double down on my power. You know, like, oh, these people, like, maybe Nabu isn't that great. You know, maybe it should just be me. He failed me last time, but I'm still here. So like, all right, this is how my kingdom is going to last forever. It's all double down on me and my power, right? Not the wisest choice, right? Nabu failed again. Um, recall later when Nebuchadnezzar loses his sanity and lives like a beast for seven years. Not a high point in anyone's life, really. Right, so doubling down on your own earthly power doesn't subvert God's will. Right? Not going to happen. So that's response one. Dream one, response one. How did Daniel earn this honor? What, what did Daniel do to get told, oh, you were so great. You're, you were worthy of praise. He held on to the amet that he was raised in. Who do I trust? Like, oh, oh no, people are coming to kill me because of something I didn't do. Who do I trust? God. Who's going to see me through? God. Who answers my prayer? God. What do I tell this, this man who is the one that will have me killed? Oh, God gave you this kingdom. Also, God says this. Okay? Just standing on something that never moves. Trusting in the kingdom that he knew, and he spoke the truth. The next story happens much later. Um, Daniel is no longer a, a young person. Let's see, Nebuchadnezzar uh, ends, then what the Nabonidus, the king that's not mentioned in here, happens, and then, then Belshazzar. Um, yes, Belshazzar is also the name of a god, but that, of course it is. All right, and now we are in chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, most likely speaking Mediterranean, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a mi the mind of a man was given to it. 
And behold, another beast, the second one, like a bear, it was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between, it, between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts through that before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Okay, another weird vision, right? Um, but we've got these, these parts again. we got the, the lion with eagle wings. That's some nice imagery. We jumped back to Jeremiah 49, 19, and 22. Again, he's talking about Nebuchadnezzar. And in one verse, in 19, he refers to him as being like a lion. In verse 22, he refers to him as being like an eagle. So we're looking at Babylon, right? This is Nebuchadnezzar here. Wings are plucked off, given the mind of a man, right? Next up is the bear raised on one side. Um, now, this generally interpreted as being like an uneven bear, like a hunchback kind of bear. And this is, again, the Medes and the Persians, an uneven kingdom, the ribs and the mouth, um, multiple potential interpretations, but having something to do with, uh, with Cyrus conquering either people that he conquered or cities that he conquered in order to establish his kingdom. Leopard with four heads and four wings. Again, Alexander the Great. You see how it's following the same, same line here. Ferocious, fast um, wings. Helps with the speed, I guess. And then at Alexander the Great's death, his kingdom was divided among his four generals. Four heads. But note that... Um, the first one, he was stood up, given the mind of a man. The second one, he was told, rise up and devour. The third one, he was given dominion. All of these are there receiving things. Who's still in charge of all of this? God. <laughs> the final beast, strong, terrifying. Can't even tell you what kind of animal it is. When you want to look up cartoons, it usually turns into some like weird dinosaur Godzilla-looking thing. So, iron teeth, um, ten horns. Like, th there's some weird stuff here. Generally, we look at this as being the Roman Empire, the little horn seen as Antiochus, but also this could be seen as future kingdom Antichrist. The, the main thing we're looking at is we recognize anti-God human authority that opposes and oppresses the saints, and then it, we'll get to there soon, it will be stripped of dominion and destroyed. So as I looked, Thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. Ah, uh, here comes the main guy, the protagonist, the Ancient of Days, the one who's always been, and he is there in glory served by thousands and tens of thousands times tens of thousands, and he is ready to sit in judgment. 
I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. As I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Judgment. It happened. God's still in control. These, these kingdoms are not. The Son of Man is given dominion. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. The son of man is now taking this, this place over this kingdom. All nations and languages will serve him. It will never be destroyed. The son of man, you've heard that one said. You want to know why? Jesus loved that name, right? Let's look at um, Mark 14, 62. Printed out some of these to save a little time here. And Jesus said, this was in response to uh, basically, tell us who you are. Uh, are you, what you, what you're saying you are? I am. Right there, did you catch that? I am. That's enough to get the Pharisees pretty angry. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So if anyone ever says, like, oh, Jesus never really said that he was all that. Like, he was just a good teacher. Oh, I said, no, he didn't. That's not, that is not what he's saying here. Um, so we have now a clear picture. Kingdoms coming and going. God giving them power and taking it away. God establishing his kingdom and giving it over to the saints that were oppressed by the kingdoms and setting over them the son of man, the judge, the king that lasts forever. Steady, faithful, true, trustworthy. Do you feel the emet? Right? It's been there. This rock, it, it crushes the kingdoms. It grows to a mountain. It will never move. These beasts, oh, they're scary. They're, like, Daniel's, Oh, these beasts are so scary. And then he's looking over here and he's like, oh, wait, what's that? Oh, they're dead. Why? Because the judge, the ancient of days, the one who has always been and forever will be, has cast judgment. The son of man is now put over and all of the nations, all of the languages will serve him and his kingdom will never end. Amet. This is forever. Okay. Now I have to remember what I was going to say next. Oh, right. The response, um, Daniel's response to this dream, he is uh, <laughs> confused. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. So he asks the, the messenger of God, please explain this. And he does. Um, then the end here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. That is a remarkably different response to a very similar dream. Nebuchadnezzar said, wait, so God's saying that this kingdom won't last forever? Huh. All I've got to do is prevent all those other things from happening, and I'm set. Daniel said, 
wow, this is a lot to take in because what we just said is you're going to suffer. You're already in exile. You've been stripped from your home and your, your culture. You've been renamed. You know, you're always facing death. Like how many times does Daniel potentially face death in this one little book called Daniel? Also, after this, um, it's going to be another kingdom. They'll oppress you. Oh, and then another one. They'll also oppress you. Yeah, and then another one. Still oppressing you. But there will be a kingdom that will last forever, that will be given to you. Like, you will be a part of this kingdom. So it makes sense. Like, greatly alarmed. When he says color change, like, blood has rushed out of my face. I'm whoa. But I'm keeping these matters in my heart. I will hold on to this. Why is that significant? What is something to hold on to? You hold on to something in times of uncertainty that is certain. Right? Oh, everything around me is going to be in turmoil. Everything will be against me. I'm going to hold on to the one thing that I know will never change. This is the key here. All throughout these dreams, we see the worldly kingdoms doing their worldly things. Oh, we'll double down on our power. Oh, well, this time we'll get it right. Those last ones, they didn't understand. Now, now we're going to make it better. This one, everyone's going to love forever and ever. (laughs) No, (laughs) that's not how the world works. But we do have something that is a met, and that is what we hold on to. Matthew 7.24. You remember that story? This is the story of the man who, wise man who built his house on a rock and the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone else is sitting on shifting sand. This world is shifting sand. What can you count on in this world always? Who here has ever faced uncertainty? Who here is currently facing uncertainty? Who here looks around at the world and says, yeah, maybe uh, maybe not? What, what I was hoping or thinking would be happening, right? Does anyone ever, ever get a, a pit in their stomach or feel their heart sink when, when you hear some bit of news? Like, oh, this candidate won. Oh, that candidate won. Oh, this is legislation. Oh, here, here this is happening here. This worry. Yeah, it happens, right? All the time. This world is shifting sand. There is no certainty. There is no stability here. If we say, well, no, 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 no. If we really do it right, if we double down on it, we can make this world certain. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar, good luck with that, right? Where is our certainty? What never changes? We are of a kingdom that will never end. We are under a king, a judge, the ancient of days, who always has been and always will be. You You are in this kingdom. Your identity is given up, and you have taken on the identity of the Son of Man, the one ruling this kingdom. Die to yourself. Die to this world. It has nothing that is stable. 
hold on to this kingdom. This kingdom lasts forever. Your identity in it is forever. It does not change. <laughs> right? Like, I'm feeling it, right? But I can't say it for myself because that would be kind of weird, but okay. Yeah. We have a rock, one that was not cut by human hands, one that will overcome all other powers. Think of that, um, the first song we sang today. Do you catch the, the theme of the songs? Like, I didn't plan any of this. I didn't even know, but I hear, like, a mount. I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. I mean, even there, like, this mountain that lasts forever, we are resting on it. We can stand firm. It's not a fearsome thing. It's love, right? God loves us. His kingdom is love. The banner over you is love. This is the kingdom to be a part of. Rejoice in this. Oh. So as you're continuing to, this is my prediction, as you continue to face uncertainty and fearsome circumstances around you, things are not going to always go well. Okay? You can, you can come back to me later when they really do and say, hi, you're wrong. No, things are going to go badly. That will happen in your life but this will not change. When you look through the Bible and you find people who you think of as heroes, look at what they go through. Look at all of the struggle and pain. This is one of the many, many lessons we gather from scripture. God does not promise you a, a nice, easy, good life. Right? It's like, oh, God bless the USA. I hope he does. I hope he blesses us. I hope he blesses us you. But what does that mean? Does that mean that you're going to be rich? You're going to be beautiful? You're going to know what's coming tomorrow? No. That's not the guarantee. You don't know what's coming tomorrow. You do know who will be there. You do know what will never change. Don't put your trust in the powers of this world. They are given authority by God. They are not God. God is sovereign over all. This reminder is to keep our eyes on the source of all power and truth. This is to remember what is really a met. Amen. Lord, we come to you recognizing the uncertainty and the fear around us. There are always so many questions day by day. What's best? What's next? What's your will? What should I be doing? Remind us to rest, Lord, to rest on the mountain that you, have, that you have set, that will last forever. Remind us to, to not trust in earthly powers, others or our own. It's an illusion, and we would love for us to hold as true. Remind us of what's real. Help us to die to ourselves, die to this world, and take up our residence in your kingdom. Our identity is in you. We praise you for all of that you are. Thank you for being true, faithful, steady, trustworthy, eternal, forever, strong, loving. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.